Chapter 8 of Celebrated Crimes, Volume 5, Urbain Grandier. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Celebrated Crimes, Volume 5, Urbain Grandier, by Alexander Dumas. Chapter 8 the exposure of the plot was most prejudicial to the prosperity of the Ursuline community. Spurious possession, far from bringing to their convent an increase of subscriptions and enhancing their reputation, as Mignon had promised, had ended for them in open shame, while in private they suffered from straitened circumstances, for the parents of their boarders hastened to withdraw their daughters from the convent, and the nuns in losing their pupils lost their sole source of income. Their fall in the estimation of the public filled them with despair, and it leaked out that they had had several altercations with their director, during which they reproached him for having, by making them commit such a great sin, overwhelmed them with infamy and reduced them to misery, instead of securing for them the great spiritual and temporal advantages he had promised them. Mignon, although devoured by hate, was obliged to remain quiet, but he was none the less as determined as ever to have revenge, and as he was one of those men who never give up, while a gleam of hope remains, and whom no waiting can tire, he bided his time, avoiding notice, apparently resigned to circumstances, but keeping his eyes fixed on Grandier, ready to seize on the first chance of recovering possession of the prey that had escaped his hands. And unluckily the chance soon presented itself. It was now 1633, Richelieu was at the height of his power, carrying out his work of destruction, making castles fall before him, where he could not make heads fall, in the spirit of John Knox's words, destroy the nests, and the crows will disappear. Now one of these nests was the crenellated castle of Loudun, and Richelieu had therefore ordered its demolition. The person appointed to carry out this order was a man such as those whom Louis the Eleventh had employed fifty years earlier to destroy the feudal system, and Robespierre one hundred and fifty years later to destroy the aristocracy. Every woodman needs an axe, every reaper a sickle, and Richelieu found the instrument he required in de Lobardement, counsellor of state but he was an instrument full of intelligence detecting by the manner in which he was wielded the moving passion of the wielder and adapting his whole nature with marvellous dexterity to gratify that passion according to the character of him whom it possessed now by a rough and ready impetuosity now by a deliberate and hidden advance equally willing to strike with the sword or to poison by calumny as the man who moved him lusted for the blood or sought to accomplish the dishonour of his victim monsieur de Lobardement arrived at loudun during the month of august sixteen thirty three and in order to carry out his mission addressed himself to sieur mamin de silly prefect of the town that old friend of the cardinals whom mignon and barre as we have said had impressed so favourably 
Mamin saw in the arrival of Le Bardemont a special intimation that it was the will of heaven that the seemingly lost cause of those in whom he took such a warm interest should ultimately triumph. He presented Mignon and all his friends to Monsieur Le Bardemont, who received them with much cordiality they talked of the mother superior who was a relation as we have seen of m de laudbardemont and exaggerated the insult offered her by the decree of the archbishop saying it was an affront to the whole family and before long the one thing alone which occupied the thoughts of the conspirators and the counsellor was how best to draw down upon grandier the anger of the cardinal duke a way soon opened the queen mother marie de medici had among her attendants a woman called hamon to whom having once had occasion to speak she had taken a fancy and given a post near her person in consequence of this whim hamon came to be regarded as a person of some importance in the queen's household hamon was a native of loudun and had passed the greater part of her youth there with her own people who belonged to the lower classes grandier had been her confessor and she attended his church and as she was lively and clever he enjoyed talking to her so that at length an intimacy sprang up between them it so happened at a time when he and the other ministers were in momentary disgrace that a satire full of biting wit and raillery appeared directed especially against the cardinal and this satire had been attributed to Hamon, who was known to share as was natural her mistress's hatred of richelieu protected as she was by the queen's favour the cardinal had found it impossible to punish hamon but he still cherished a deep resentment against her it now occurred to the conspirators to accuse grandier of being the real author of the satire and it was asserted that he had learned from hamon all the details of the cardinal's private life the knowledge of which gave so much point to the attack on him if they could once succeed in making richelieu believe this grandier was lost this plan being decided on m de laubardemont was asked to visit the convent and the devils knowing what an important personage he was flocked thither to give him a worthy welcome accordingly the nuns had attacks of the most indescribably violent convulsions and m de laubardemont returned to paris convinced as to the reality of their possession the first word the counsellor of state said to the cardinal about urbain grandier showed him that he had taken useless trouble in inventing the story about the satire for by the bare mention of his name he was able to arouse the cardinal's anger to any height he wished the fact was that when richelieu had been prior of Cousset, he and grandier had had a quarrel on a question of etiquette the latter as priest of loudun having claimed precedence over the prior and carried his point the cardinal had noted the affront in his blood-stained tablets and at the first hint de laubardemont found him as eager to bring about grandier's ruin as was the counsellor himself de laubardemont was at once granted the following commission sieur de laubardemont counsellor of state and privily counsellor will betake himself to loudun and to whatever other places may be necessary 
to institute proceedings against grandier on all the charges formerly preferred against him and on other facts which have since come to light touching the possession by evil spirits of the ursuline nuns of loudun and of other persons who are said likewise to be tormented of devils through the evil practices of the said grandier he will diligently investigate everything from the beginning that has any bearing either on the said possession or on the exorcisms and will forward to us his report thereon and the reports and other documents sent in by former commissioners and delegates and will be present at all future exorcisms and take proper steps to obtain evidence of the said facts that they may be clearly established and above all will direct institute and carry through the said proceedings against grandier and all others who have been involved with him in the said case until definitive sentence be passed and in spite of any appeal or countercharge this cause will not be delayed but without prejudice to the right of appeal in other causes on account of the nature of the crimes and no regard will be paid to any request for postponement made by the said grandier his majesty commands all governors provincial lieutenant-generals bailiffs seneschals and other municipal authorities and all subjects whom it may concern to give every assistance in arresting and imprisoning all persons whom it may be necessary to put under constraint if they shall be required so to do furnished with this order which was equivalent to a condemnation de lobardement arrived at laudon the fifth of december sixteen thirty three at nine o'clock in the evening and to avoid being seen he alighted in a suburb at the house of one maitre paul aubin king's usher and son-in-law of Maman de Silly. His arrival was kept so secret that neither Grandier nor his friends knew of it, but Maman, Herve Menard, and Mignon were notified and immediately called on him. De Lobardement received them, commission in hand, but broad as it was, it did not seem to them sufficient, for it contained no order for Grandier's arrest, and Grandier might fly de lobardement smiling at the idea that he could be so much in fault drew from his pocket an order in duplicate in case one copy should be lost dated like the commission november thirtieth signed louis and countersigned philippot it was conceived in the following terms louis etc etc we have entrusted these presents to sieur de lobardement privy councillor to empower the said sieur de lobardement to arrest grandier and his accomplices and imprison them in a secure place with orders to all provosts marshals and other officers and to all our subjects in general to lend whatever assistance is necessary to carry out above order and they are commanded by these presents to obey all orders given by the said sieur and all governors and lieutenants-general are also hereby commanded to furnish the said sieur with whatever aid he may require at their hands this document being the completion of the other it was immediately resolved in order to show that they had the royal authority at their back and as a preventive measure to arrest grandier at once without any preliminary investigation 
they hoped by this step to intimidate any official who might still be inclined to take grandier's part and any witness who might be disposed to testify in his favor accordingly they immediately sent for guillaume aubin sieur de lagrange and provost-lieutenant de l'aubardement communicated to him the commission of the cardinal and the order of the king and requested him to arrest grandier early next morning Monsieur de lagrange could not deny the two signatures and answered that he would obey but as he foresaw from their manner of going to work that the proceedings about to be instituted would be an assassination and not a fair trial he sent in spite of being a distant connection of memin whose daughter was married to his lagrange's brother to warn grandier of the orders he had received but grandier with his usual intrepidity while thanking lagrange for his generous message sent back word that secure in his innocence and relying on the justice of god he was determined to stand his ground so grandier remained and his brother who slept beside him declared that his sleep that night was as quiet as usual the next morning he rose as was his habit at six o'clock took his breviary in his hand and went out with the intention of attending matins at the church of sainte croix he had hardly put his foot over the threshold before lagrange in the presence of mamin mignon and the other conspirators who had come out to gloat over the sight arrested him in the name of the king he was at once placed in the custody of jean pougeuet an archer in his majesty's guards and of the archers of the provosts of loudun and chignon to be taken to the castle at angers meanwhile a search was instituted and the royal seal affixed to the doors of his apartments to his presses his other articles of furniture in fact to everything in place in the house but nothing was found that tended to compromise him except an essay against the celibacy of priests and two sheets of paper whereon were written in another hand than his some love poems in the taste of that time End of chapter 8